Good morning and welcome to the Enbridge Consulting podcast series. Today we have Mark Harris, Business Development Director, and Wendy Henry, Head of Business Change and Digital Adoption, joining us today. The subject of today's podcast is where does training and communication sit within the change readiness space? Mark will take you through a series of questions and we'll hear from Wendy, who is a ProSci accredited consultant. If you have any questions, please drop us a message in social media or directly to us on email and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. Thank you for downloading the podcast. And in doing so, you will receive an email that will enable you to attend one of our free follow-up consultancy sessions. Thank you very much, Tracy, And hi, hi again to you, Wendy. Um, and welcome to everyone who's actually joining us for the uh, second podcast in the series around change readiness. So what are you really keen to talk about today on our favourite topic then, Wendy? Well, Mark, in today's t- podcast, I really want to build on the importance of effective communication and training when considering true change readiness. As you'll recall in our first podcast, we talked quite a lot about you know, what change readiness was and in some cases what it wasn't very much in my view. I did highlight then already that communication and training are two key powerful enablers of change readiness. But if only used in a one dimensional way, you are likely to not realise the outcomes you are looking to achieve from your change project. So today I thought it would be helpful if I shared some reflections and some considerations on how you can better maximise these approaches to then better prepare your project team, for example, either before or during implementation and more importantly, help prepare your impacted groups to be receptive and ready for the future change. Okay, that sounds very interesting actually, Wendy. So what should organisations do or consider to enable that better communication for change readiness then? Well, to start off with, I want to really point out that actually by maintaining a people-focused approach to communication, means you can encourage engagement right from the start of the life cycle of the change. Now, that probably sounds like a pretty obvious statement. You know, of course, all all communication must be people focused. But I really want to reiterate that point. And this is sort of I'm going to talk through what that really means in terms of the key things that you need to do. So the more engagement that you can generate, the more change ready individuals will be when the real impact starts to kick in. And you can also use communication to help manage and reduce anxiety and potential resistance from people who may be feeling uncomfortable with the proposed changes. So there already are just two ways of of highlighting how communication um, needs to be a people focused approach. But let me talk to you about some real specifics, though. You know, so kind of like, how do you actually go about doing this? How do we keep that people focus in mind? Firstly, don't wait until you have all the information to start communicating out. 
or even wait until the project team is in place with a robust comms strategy. OK, we do tend to see change initiatives where this does happen. So, you know, we see senior stakeholders maybe announce something really big is coming, um, the, the big ta-da moment, and then unfortunately that's followed by long periods of silence while the project team is being mobilised, or if a project team's already in place, the communication strategy is being formulated. The risk is these gaps can actually create opportunity for rumours, uh, the grapevine takes over, and naturally, as humans, we tend to conjure up the worst case scenario as the announcements can be perceived by many as, as, a, as a type of threat of sorts. So do rather try put out regular messages. And if something is not known or somebody wants clarity on something, be upfront and state if you don't know, um, you know what's going to happen with something or if you do know what's going to happen, what's going to be done about it. That also gives you an opportunity to keep reinforcing key messages, um, which we know is very essential for people to come on board uh, with future change. The second area where it helps us think about communication in terms of people focus is where you need more engagement, create opportunities to engage more. So in my previous podcast, I spoke about a typical scenario where a project team has, let's say, for example, been sending out lots of regular messages to inform and update the wider organisation as per the comms plan. The volume of messages is looking good, so the stats are great, we're ticking boxes. Project team feels confident that they've sent out a sufficient number of messages to ensure all impacted are change ready as, as the project team feels ready. But you know what? Have they actually heard or sought the views of others? from those impacted teams by gathering feedback on a regular basis using a variety of ways. Informing and raising awareness is only one aspect of communication. Gathering feedback from line managers and their teams is critical to adapting and realigning messaging. And the method of how you go about gathering feedback is also critical. So you could consider running drop-in sessions where you can have two-way dialogue. You could use surveys. You could ask line managers to feed back information to the project team from their team meetings, where stakeholders are able to ask questions, voice concerns and highlight key risks. All of that will help you create more opportunity for engagement. The third area to keep communication people focused is an obvious one. Put yourself in the shoes of those that are going to be impacted by the change. So have an idea of the actual impact on individuals. If you understand how each impacted group and its associated individuals is likely to be impacted and what aspects of their job is going to be different, then you can create bespoke and targeted messages that actually means something to them, rather than just very broad brush, generic corporate messages, more bespoke, more targeted. There is a place for generic organisational wide messages, but the more you describe the future state, the more people engaged with what it will be at the time when it comes, because they can visualise what that new future state is going to be like for them. 
A fourth aspect is you do need to consider who is the best person to actually disseminate key messages and the timing. Again, as people, we have a level of credibility that we see in others. So the credibility of the sender of those messages plays a very important role in how that message is received. So encourage and engage with the right stakeholders to lead on the messaging. Consider what else is going on in the organisation at the same time so that your messages land at the right time and don't get lost amongst a lot of other communications. So there's quite a lot there that you need to be thinking about. The fifth area is that you need to realise that effective communication, which is what is needed for change readiness, takes time and it needs to be a long term activity that will run well beyond the end of your project. So as I mentioned before, communicating about the change needs to start as early as possible in the life cycle of the change. And then you need to recognise it is a process that actually runs for a while. And, you know, you can't communicate change a few days before it happens and assume you're going to get commitment from people because actually you need to give them that awareness, that desire, that understanding of what's in it for me long before the time when the change will happen. People react differently over time and your communication approach will need to accommodate these differences. So how a message landed maybe at the beginning of the life cycle of the change to how it lands in the middle and the end, people will still react differently and you need to be ready for that. The last area to look at is when you get feedback, do something with it. I get really frustrated when people do send out lots and lots of surveys and gather lots and lots of data, but then they actually don't even look at it properly or look at the trends or look at doing something with that. So when considering your communication channels, make sure you have a suitable two way feedback mechanism in place to encourage those responses and reactions to the key messages you've put out there. But more importantly, do something with the feedback received. You need to acknowledge the importance of others giving you that feedback, even if it's not the feedback you were hoping for. You need to consider the voice of those impacted and then adapt and update your change plans if needed. Nobody wants to feel done to but rather wants to feel heard and a valued contributor towards the future state. So in some remark, you've got to work really hard at having a people focus to all your communication approaches to contribute towards true change readiness. You need engagement opportunities, you need response to feedback, all of that is crucial. This is not a one dimensional process. It takes two to tango. No, thanks, Wendy, and, and I really particularly agree with your message around feedback um, being a key part of communication, because otherwise you're not actually having communication. It's, it's one sided, as you say. So some fabulous ideas and suggestions there that give quite a lot of clarity around how communication can enable change. Another thing that always comes up, Wendy, and I'd, I'd like your views on that is, is how can training contribute towards change? Yeah, well, Mark, we've said it here before particularly in our first podcast, again, training is a key change enabler. Everybody, I think, can agree with that. 
And we all know that the majority of our change projects or programs will have an element of training included. So it's kind of like a given that in any change program, you need to know what to do best with this enabler. A key issue I want to highlight again and reinforce from the start is that it is simply not enough to just provide training and tick a box and say, we've done loads of training. Everybody must be change ready. They've all been sheeped up. They've all been put through the program of training. We're OK. We're good to go. Time and time again, we see a huge investment in training provision to enable a change to come about. But organisations suffer from low adoption and usage rates. And then what do they do? They retrain everybody again because they assume that the training itself is the issue. This is not cost effective and this does not produce a great return on investment of the training program, let alone the change that's been implemented. So a little bit of effort around scene setting, why the training itself is important, is going to help your end users to transform the way they work in the future. And that means it will add significant value to the actual training provision that you are offering them. So I want to make a real bold statement here, but basically say that the bottom line is as much as training is a contributor towards overall change readiness of the end users and or the organisation. You also need to help people to be trained to be change ready before they come on the training. As much as the training will help them to be change ready after the training. I'm just going to say that again because it's quite a big statement. You need to help people to be trained to be change ready before they come on the training. As much as the training will help them to be change ready after the training. So what do I mean by that? If you recall in my last podcast, I referenced how we sometimes see training programs on projects that mainly focus on the stats, showing the numbers of people who've attended, the quantitative side. And that focus on evaluation is all about the success of the training itself. How did you find the course on the day? OK, we seem to get really excited by that. These programs tend to prioritise volume of training as part of the project plan activities and only focus on what people said about the training itself. This is not people focused training. This is simply project activity focused training. So to try and help explain where I'm coming at it from, I'd like to talk about two key groups that can typically access training as part of a key change program, project team members and end users of the change. So let's talk about project team members first. In order for us to be more people focused and significantly contribute towards change readiness, we need to prepare our project team members who may need to make some form of a design decision on behalf of others in the organisation. And we need to help them to understand what they can expect and what is expected of them before they even attend, let's say, some form of familiarisation training on the change itself, or in some cases, if they're going to need to build something, actually, this is what you need to expect in terms of what's the ask of you as a project team member. So my recommendation is 
create a set of behavior driven design principles and socialize these with the key team members. This approach is going to help with some awareness of what can be changed and it puts the project team in a strong position to focus on that future state change that they need to influence, but also be confident in their decision making. After all, we're asking them to take on quite a big responsibility. We're asking them to bridge the gap between the current state and the proposed future state of that change. So by helping them to better understand their role is going to mean any form of familiarization training or upskilling training is going to be taken on board so much more. In terms of the end users, when we're planning to train our end users on a future change, the difference there for me is let's actually explain and highlight and contextualize what they will need to do differently once they've attended the training. Let's not just encourage them to attend the training as is and then leave them to it and say, well, you've gone through the training program, you now know what to do. So in order to help with that contextualization bit, you need to do a bit of work. You need to actually plot and analyze what your end users are doing now in terms of their work. You need to capture their current concerns and their future needs, and you need to gather this data to feed into your training plan. You can do this by gathering data in a number of ways. So you can look at group impact assessments by evaluating different aspects of an end user's job now and in the future. You can create personas using survey data to gather key trends and issues for different user types, again, using data from representative groups. Either way, both these approaches create great opportunities for engagement, and they bring a sense of empathy to planning your end user training provision, which ultimately is what supports a people focused approach to training, which in turn contributes towards change readiness. Wow, Wendy, it sounds to me that there's a, a kind of a unique approach and skill set uh, required here to, to really focus this correctly. And I, I would think very few organisations have people that have that kind of experience or skill set readily available. So how can Enbridge actually help organisations get that communica communication and training linked to get great change readiness? Yeah, that's absolutely where we can come in, Mark. Um, and we would love to be you know, a strategic partner to organisations who need help with their communication and training strategy and plans. And we would absolutely use a lot of these different approaches I've talked about today and more to ensure that those plans are people focused to help them for their, you know, to get to that true change readiness. We, we can run, you know, group impact assessments. We can develop the personas. All of those key uh, ways of doing things will feed into those strategies and plans and we can bring that capacity and capability without a doubt. We're also pretty good at providing advice guidance and support when an organization maybe finds that their change readiness is not as good as it needs to be and it's actually a key go live risk we like to go in and we like to be supportive and help identify and remediate and help and support if we need to and the other areas you know we're pretty good at doing a bit of a health check if need be around the business change elements if you know the people side of things is not working as it should we are pretty good at going in having a good health check review and then helping the organization to fine tune their change readiness. 
Either way, our ethos, Mark, is to ensure that we enable every organisation we work with to learn from what we do with them so that the next time they're in a situation where they need to support change and people, that they're actually able to do a lot of that, um, having learnt from the previous projects that they've worked on with Enbridge. Well, that's great stuff, Wendy, and I'm really looking forward to our, our third po podcast to, to continue the series and, and getting more insights from your, your experience and clearly the, the depth of, of knowledge and passion that you have for this topic. So thank you very much, Wendy. Thank you, Mark. It's been great to talk to you again today. And yeah, I look forward to talking to everybody in our third session um, where we'll look at things in a bit more detail once again. OK, I think we're done there, Tracy. Thank you. That's great. I'll uh, end the recording.